Onyx Hunt is our go-to solution for anything mapping related, whether we're at the house or in the field, whether we're using the tracking feature in order to kind of figure out exactly where we're going in and out of the woods, to also implementing the new cell camera feature where you can actually link your different cell cameras that you may have from different brands and be able to get all those photos sent directly through the Onyx app where you can actually see them on your maps and be able to go through all your photos right there in one place. You can use the promo code SOUTHERN at checkout and save 20% on your Onyx Onyx membership. Onyx has been extremely helpful for us the last six years, and I'm sure it'll be helpful for you. So know where you stand with Onyx. Look, y'all know the drill. Good optics are a must, whether you're running a red dot sight on your turkey gun or you're running some binos this turkey season, or if you're shopping for a new rifle scope. Vortex Optics needs to be the first place you look. They got something for everybody, whether you're wanting to get some entry-level glass or if you're wanting top-of-the-line glass and really good stuff, they got that too. They also have an unbeatable VIP warranty. If something happens to your Vortex Optic, you can send it in. They will fix it or replace it. Best warranty in the business, bar none. Head on over to MidwayUSA.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN to get a discount on your order of any Vortex product. Again, that's MidwayUSA.com. Go use that promo code SOUTHERN. It'll get you a discount and it helps out the show. Meadow Creek Mounts is your go-to mounting option for red dots on your turkey shotgun. And one of my favorite features about this mount is you don't have to drill and tap your shotgun in order to mount a red dot onto your shotgun. I personally have used this mount the last two seasons and it's worked extremely well for me. One thing I personally like about it is because it's so low onto the barrel when it mounts to the rib of your shotgun, it allows for a very natural head positioning when shouldering your gun. Also an advantage of using a red dot compared to maybe just a traditional bead on your shotgun is you get a much more clear view of the turkey and you're able to kind of see what else is around there and making sure you're perfectly on that bird. Now if you're interested in giving Meadow Creek Mounts a try you can go over to the website MeadowCreekMounts.com and use the code SOUTHERN at checkout to be able to save 10% on your order. Welcome to the fourth episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. We are sitting here in Jacob's studio, also known as his dining room. (laughs) (laughs) We just rolled in from Nashville. Uh, We've been at the NWTF convention all weekend, which was exhausting and fun. Jacob, how'd you like it? Oh man, it was awesome. Again, being the second year going, uh, had a blast and actually had more fun this year than the previous year. Just because, again, we were there for couple different reasons, you know, just having fun and then also, you know, uh, making some other connections with some guys we used to talk to back in the day and, you know, build some new relationships. But it was absolutely a blast. Uh, A ton of people came out. I don't know what the uh, the turnout was. was. I know last year it was around 60,000 or so. I think it was 80. Oh, it felt like (laughs) it felt like it on a Saturday, man. When you feel like you had a centipede around for you to try to squeeze in between people, try and get around, talk to some individuals. But it was a it was a fun time. Uh, we were there for three days and uh, had an absolute blast. Got to meet a lot of different guys. And uh, got to see a lot of new stuff that was coming out. Um, I mean, there's always new products and stuff, which not always the biggest fan of. But A lot of robot turkeys this man, year. What is up with the robot turkeys? Man, a lot of robot turkeys. And I mean, gosh, man, like who needs a robot turkey? I, I don't know. <laughs> and they, they look so awkward, too. Oh, my God. Anyway, that's on a side note, guys. But uh, Getting back on track. Yeah, I mean, but it, 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 absolute blast. Had a great time. Um and, you know, I don't know, it was, that was the first time I've actually sat down and watched the Grand National uh, Calling Championship, and that was awesome. I mean, yeah. these guys that doing that aggressive, aggressive purr, 
that was like the fighting purr. Dude, that was With, on a mouth call, impressive. dude. That is impressive. Big congratulations to Mr. Dave Owens. Yep. Out of Georgia, who won the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool, man. That must feel good. Especially being up there, uh, not being sponsored. I mean, I like, yeah, he wasn't sponsored. Yeah, I like seeing guys up there just doing their thing, not care about sponsorship or anything like that. Just again, getting up there and getting their getting their stuff done. But again, you know, again, we did have a great time, and again, that's kind of transitioning now for our turkey season episodes. And yeah, we're on, pumped. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and on this episode, we're actually interviewing Cy Colley, uh, who's a local guy from Alabama, a little local legend to be honest. After his last season. Uh, I don't know if y'all know, but Alabama has one of the most liberal uh, turkey bag limits in the country to the point where you can get five birds in a season, which is unheard of in the country. So he was able to bird out first time last year and was able to assist um, and get 14 birds on a ground total uh, with him and a couple other guys and had multiple uh, double ups or uh, double doubles. Yeah, there you go, (laughs) doubles. Yeah, and uh, anyways, had a blast talking to him. Uh, we kind of just talk about you know a little bit of his history getting turkey hunting. Also, just one thing that I picked up a lot on was his knowledge on how to get birds fired up uh, on a quiet day, real silent day, and the birds really just don't want to talk. Uh, he brought a lot of great information to the table about that, uh, and also some of his go-to setups. And you know, we kind of learn talking to him. He doesn't hunt a lot of big pieces of property at all. I mean, he hunts properties anywhere from five acres to maybe 100 acres at the most. Uh, so you really get a good idea of how to be effective on smaller pieces of property and how these small properties can hold birds when you can find them. Yeah, man, that, that was a really cool thing to discuss because a lot of times you're hearing about people hunting bigger expanses mm-hmm. of land for turkeys. Oh, yeah. You, you don't hear that much on hunting smaller properties. and. Cy goes into a lot of his tactics, and just keep in mind that a lot of these things he's talking about are on these smaller properties, and we kind of went from, you know, his history of turkey hunting, how he got into it, uh, how he's matured as a turkey hunter, a little bit of preseason scouting, uh, locating birds, uh, maybe hunting hind-up birds, we talked a little bit about that, I think, Uh, and then one of my favorite subjects we talked about, because I love turkey calling, I love the calling aspect of it. Um, practice on my calls like I'm some kind of grand national champion but <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't hold a candle to those guys but he talks about using gobblers or uh, like a gobble call to locate birds or to get them fired up on kind of a slow day uh has a pretty cool story about the that uh, caged up gobbler that got that other one fired up you'll, you'll hear it in the podcast but mm-hmm. uh, um and some of some other kind of unique calls he might use like a kiki uh, some guys don't use a kiki, but, you know, I don't know. I, I like kikis just because I think they're cool, and so I practice them all the time, but I never use them when I'm hunting, and he kind of gave me a better idea of when to use them. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty excited to get started on that here on March 15th, if oh. it'll ever get here. Oh, yeah, and again, Cy, you know, really does kick us off in the right way for turkey season. Uh, so, again, I think a lot of y'all, no matter whether you're a newer hunter like myself uh, for turkey hunting or, you know, a seasoned veteran, you're going to be able to get a lot out of this to be able to apply, especially to your smaller properties and this, you know, be able to pinpoint these birds and really be effective on them. And one thing he talks about too is this, how much he puts on emphasis on preseason scouting and getting in there and learning the lay of the land around these roosts where these birds are, where you can find these birds and figure out how these birds are working these areas when they're coming off the roost so he can set up early in the morning, opening day, opening couple of days, 
you know, super close to these roosts, and you'll hear about that, how close he'll get to these roosts, where when these birds pitch down, he's already for, he's ready for them, and he knows that there's not going to be any kind of topography or any kind of, you know, obstacles that will keep the birds coming for, uh, coming to him. And, again, that's something that I took out of it because uh, that kind of screwed us up last year on turkey season. This will definitely be a good one to kick off our turkey episodes as we are slowly rolling into spring here in the southeast. Uh, before we get into the interview, though, we got one more thing for you, and that is that we are launching the Southern Outdoorsman Strut Report this Thursday. Now, the Strut Report is going to be a short episode, probably 15 to 30 minutes long, where we interview five or six different guys from around the southeast to get a quick update on what the birds are doing in their area. So this coming week, we'll have a guy from Florida, um, and then probably North Florida as well as South Florida, uh, Alabama, Georgia, and Mississippi. Hopefully we'll be able to get all those states this Thursday, and it's going to be a short report where we're going to cover things like how the weather conditions are affecting birds right now, whether or not they're gobbling, whether or not they're hinned up, strutting, you know, all the all the stuff that you would like to know going into turkey hunting. So this will probably help you in your own state, being able to listen to that uh, before you go get out on the weekend if you haven't had time to scout so you kind of know what you're going into. Or if you're traveling to hunt another state, you might be able to refer back to this and get kind of an idea of what these birds are going to be doing where you're going. So we're really excited about it, and we think that it'll be a pretty useful tool this spring and we can't wait to launch it so be watching for that episode dropping this thursday and it'll drop every thursday after that until somewhere in may you know basically for the full length of turkey season so we're excited stay tuned for that and please give us feedback on it you can message us on facebook at the southern outdoorsman direct message us on instagram or email us which my email is on the website so go check that out and with that being said Let's get into this interview with Mr. Cy Colley. All right, folks, welcome to the fourth episode of the Southern Outdoorsman podcast. We are getting ready for turkey season here in Alabama, and today on the phone we have Mr. Cy Colley, who is, I think he's a turkey serial killer in Alabama. He's killed a lot more birds than I have, but we're eager to talk to him, uh, hear about some of his tips and tactics. Uh, Jacob. How you doing today? Doing pretty good, my man. Uh, just got back from a crazy coyote hunt, which we might talk about maybe in a later episode. But I had a ton of action tonight. Again, trying to fill in a little bit of that little bit of void between uh, the end of deer season and the beginning of turkey season. But other than that, you know, doing great. And again, like we said, we have Cy Colley on the phone. And again, a lot of people might not know about Cy unless you're from Alabama and you're active on social media. But from what it seems like, this guy can put down some birds, and we're excited to talk to him for today. Yeah, man, for sure. Uh, Cy, how you doing today, man? No, I'm doing good, brother. Doing good. How are y'all? Doing great. Like you said, uh, before we started recording, you said something along the lines of February is the shortest month, but it feels like the longest. I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. It's just once February hits after that last day of, of, of deer season, in fact, I'm having to slow down for a herd of deer here, um, but <laughs> it just it, it seems to creep by. It seems like there's nothing to do except you know squirrel hunt, and then of course now it's too, too really too hot to squirrel hunt to even get out there and fool with them. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think today it was like 73 where I was, which that's no fun. <laughs> well, let's, let's hop right into it, man. Uh, Cy, how'd your how'd your last turkey season go? I know you made 
a pretty big splash. But uh, tell the listeners how you did last season. Um, last year was one of the best, one of the best years I've I've ever had. It was, uh, I mean, it was full action. It really started off slow that first week. It was really, you know, the first day I think it was in the 30s. I mean, it was cold, and uh, I th- think it was three days in before I even heard a bird gobble, and it was you know two miles away. Could, you know, be- just barely heard a gobble, but then um. March 21st rolled around and and uh, me and a guy I was with got on some birds and first light and it went away and then we got on another setup and I mean it just seemed like that day we, we got on the birds you know called them in killed one and then after that I went on to kill I killed five um, I got to watch 14 hit the dirt all together I took um, two guys this year that got their first birds one guy that I took it was his first year ever, the first time he ever went turkey hunting. We doubled the second time he ever went. We doubled again, and then he ended up killing another one. So, And then I got to take out some uh, veteran guys and and uh, took out three of those. All three of those guys got to kill birds. Um, and it was just a – man, it was a, it was a fun year. Got You know, we were killing birds every week. And uh, like I said, it was just – that first week was just really slow. But man, after that, they really, really turned it on, and and I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't thank the Lord enough. I mean, it was just, it was awesome being there, especially with those guys who never killed, and and uh, I think all three veterans, I don't think they'd ever killed birds either. They were, they were all their first birds too. So um, it was awesome to get my limit, and then also be able to give back as well and let other folks enjoy it too. Well, that's great to hear. And another thing for all the listeners, especially if you're not from Alabama, Alabama has probably the most liberal uh, turkey limit in the United States where we can harvest five birds. And I'm not going to lie, you know, it's kind of hard to find some of those guys that can, you know, every few years or every other year uh, be able to, you know, put down five birds. But again, Cy did that this past year, and that's awesome to hear, man. Now, with that being said, tell us about your hunting situation and where you're hunting. I mean, public, private land, or what's your scenarios that you're hunting, uh, and how do they differ? Um, well, I, I predominantly hunt private land. This this coming year, I'm going to get into the public land and give it a challenge and, and you know, See, see what that all, what, what that all, what that's all about. But uh, it, I mainly hunt in Elmore County, and Elmore County has a little bit of everything to offer you as far as terrain and all. Um, I've got swamp land, I've got cow pasture, I've got you know rolling hardwoods, pine thickets, um, it, you know, and it's just really. The main thing is knowing the terrain, knowing where that bird is, and knowing how you can go in and, and, and kind of set up on them and and what their travel routes too, and what could be in between those birds to hang you up or to, or to hang them up and, and basically just being able to get around and be silent most of the time just, you know, not with, without letting them know that you're there whatsoever. That's, that's the main thing is basically woodsmanship being able to you know know hey there's there's a creek right there he's probably not going to cross or you know his strut zones up there that's where he's trying to get to is there any way i can cut him off yeah man i couldn't agree that's the main thing that that kind of stuff really bit me last year because we hunting where we hunt we know it pretty well but we don't know it well enough to 
to know where all those hang-ups are. And that, that really screwed me up on a bunch of birds last year, is not knowing where, like, a downed log was or where a draw was. And then, you know, he's over there gobbling his head off on the other side, but he's not going to cross that big, steep valley to get to me, you know. So I had a lot of problems with that. That's something I'm going to definitely try and correct this year. Uh, let me ask you about, uh, you know, locating roosts, maybe on a on a new area or or just before the season in general. How, how do you go about finding birds? Like may, maybe what is something that you kind of key in on? Well, a lot of times what I like to do is um, is go. I try to. I had in these past two mornings. I've kind of been sleeping in, but go and try to listen at least two to three times a week for birds listen you know try trying to locate them i do i don't like to call to them so i, I leave my mouth calls at home i'll go and hoot at them and 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 try to go and try to listen to them and sit there for a little while and and you know let them start gobbling on their own listen to kind of which way they're going what they're doing and you know just kind of keep a mental image i mean you bring a a, a pen and a piece of paper and and you know kind of keep up with it but a lot of times you you know you just kind of keep a mental mental note of it but that helps and then also how you're you know talking about um you know a log or something falling down and, and hanging that bird up if you can go in there and listen and hear where those birds are gobbling and then go in there say midday when they're not going to be in there and you can kind of go in there and see what the terrain is like and and you know think of all kind of different ways they could go or you know go back to where okay they started going this way i started listening to them you know and that gives you an even better idea of, of how to set up on them so that's the that's the main thing this is the difference okay last year i killed five the year before i killed one the difference was last year i went lifting and scouted and did it every day and you know, got an idea of what these birds were going to do. And that's that's really what made the difference in between killing one and killing five. Okay, awesome, man. Well, with that being said, uh, you know, early season, you're trying to locate some of these birds. I mean, how soon are you finding the birds being responsive to, say, like, you know, owl hoot or whatever call you're using and be able to gobble, you know, enough where you can get a good location on them? I mean, are they doing that right now in early, uh, I mean, late February, early March? Or do you see it kind of heating up a little bit later? Or, you know, what's a good time for these guys that are going to be listening to this podcast to really go out there and really put that work into it and try to find these birds on the roost? Well, and every, you know, every year's different. Last year, it was kind of cooler, you know, into February on into March. We still, we still were hearing birds, you know, about the third and fourth week of February. Um, Right now, I've only been to one place. And I didn't, I didn't hear anything, um, which it was kind of, it was, it was kind of a foggy morning too. So, you know, that kind of has effect on it, but I've heard them anywhere, like saying from second weekend, um, to even, you know, sometimes that first, you know, early season, it may be too cold that even when the season ends, they're not gobbling. Mm -hmm. Um, and it kind of heats up, but like I said, it's just, it's every year it changes but main thing, like I said, go in there with an owl hoot, go in there with a crow call. Don't don't go in there and call to them. You know, with a, with a box call or, or mouth call, stuff like that. That that can really, you know, you may 
you may mess up and call one up to you and you've educated them right there or you know you just don't you don't want any kind of pressure on them mm-hmm. so well th- another thing with that being said what's your go-to locator call i mean owl hook crow call i mean do you use you need anything else on the side uh for locating birds um mainly just a, and i can and i can do an owl hook by mouth um and then i can also do a, a, a crow call by mouth um, but this year i'm I'm, I'm actually going to get the uh, the houndstooth morning uh, morning striker, and uh, I, and another thing I know a lot of people like to use um, coyote calls to to you know get these birds worked up, get one to shot gobble, um, but paint a realistic picture. You don't want him to think that there's a coyote in the area. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but a lot of times, like I said, alcohol and a crow call, and you can even use an alcohol all in, all up into the morning. In fact, um, we killed two birds last year that I went in and tried to strike with a mouth call, tried to strike slate, and I hit it with an alcohol and blew it as loud as I could, and three of them gobbled. Mm-hmm. So, huh. yeah. <clears throat> well, uh, let me ask you about kind of switching subjects here uh what what is your go-to strategy for hunting hinned up birds you know you got a tom might have you know six or seven hens with him uh that's something that we dealt with a lot last year Uh, in fact last year two days before the season i went out scouting sat on this gas line and here comes what was it like 11 hens and a big giant tom walk out 30 yards from me now, two days before the season starts, and I'm like, man, this is never going to happen again <laughs> when I have a gun. But that's something we dealt with early season last year was toms that just were surrounded by hens, man. And we we had a lot of problems calling those toms off of those hens. So do uh, you have any advice for somebody who might be facing a similar issue? Well, and that's just what – and I know I, – I remember it's the you, – you, you got the picture of it up now. Um, it's absolutely beautiful picture, but with with gobblers with hens, you really you want to try to because turkey hunting is the reverse of mother nature. The hen is supposed to go to the gobbler. Everybody thinks you you know the name of the game is calling the gobbler into you, which it is, but it's the reverse of mother nature. So what you want to try to do if, if you can get that main hen, the the boss hen, get her fired up. If you can get her fired up and get her coming, she's going to bring them to you. Now, getting him to break, you want to kind of, because he can he can decide it too. He can decide where everybody's going. They're not always just following the hens. You can you can get a couple Jake Yelps in there. You can even you know hit them with a gobble call and make him think that there's gobblers over there with those hens, and you know he's he's going to get mad. A turkey would rather fight than breed. I mean, they are mean. They're they're not gonna, you know, they're selfish. They're gonna go in there and and tear him up, just like you see on on TV when they come in there and uh, and and hit those decoys. It's the same thing. They don't they don't want anybody around their women. So <laughs> that's cool. I'm... Well, I was gonna, I was gonna say on public land. You know, I've always thought I've had a another uh buddy of ours tell us who he hunts in north carolina in southern ohio and he says he loves using a gobbler uh call uh to get some you know 
more shy birds to kind of come in. He says it'll get them fired up and worked up even on public land. And I've always thought about, you know, possibly using that, but I'm always worried about on public land, you know, where we're hunting, you know, we hunt, you know, central Alabama, a little southern Alabama too, uh, public land. I was kind of worried about calling in another individual, another hunter, because I have done that in the past, uh, actually just by uh, yelping. Um, so I've always thought about using, you know, gob- gobbling in general uh, to get a bird to come in, especially, you know, try to make it sound more realistic if you're throwing out some yelps and everything and get a bird fired up, but he doesn't want to come all the way in. Um, I mean, is that something that you do, you know, somewhat often, uh, throw in some actual gobbles uh, to your setup? Um, and... I don't want to advise it on public land, but, you know, because just that simple fact that you could call somebody in, and if you've got a decoy spread going on, they may only see those decoys, and and you know, if you've got a strutter or a Jake decoy, whatever, and they shoot, that's you know, that's going you get shot. Um, but what I do is, you know, most of the time I will try to work work that bird just solely solely sounding like a hen trying to get him now if if he hangs up and you know we've we've been there for a while this actually happened last year we hunted a bird four mornings in a row and the bird did the same thing he'd always fly down and he was on the other property and he stayed over there and kind of down in the ditch and and uh that was the only bird we were hearing over there believe he's believe he's a boss gobbler but um we ended up going in there and, and setting up one morning and and I told my cousin, I said, I, I can't think of anything else to do. I'm just going to start gobbling at him. And uh, I had a gobble call and I, I gobbled at him and he gobbled at me. We just kept going back and forth. Well, then these these other two gobblers gobbled out in the field on our place. There's a big hump, big, big hill that was in front of us. that was in between us. And so just us, me and that other bird gobbling, going back and forth, brought these other two, I want to say they're satellite birds, but they had hens with them, brought them in to us. And uh, my cousin ended up missing one, but it was just, I, I guess that just hearing us going back and forth gobbling brought those other birds in that we had no idea they were there. Um, and I actually killed a bird last year um, that my cousin called me over the same place that he was he was hearing one gobble i got over there and the bird that he was hearing gobble was actually a pet bird that was in a cage <laughs> and then i heard a real turkey gobble so i started calling and uh both birds started gobbling well i just said well we'll get in between the middle of them and it ended up happening i got that pet turkey so fired up this other turkey couldn't stand it and he come in so i think <laughs> goblin does help like I said, you just got you've got to be careful with it. I hear that. Um, now, is gobbling something that you might try to to fire up birds, maybe on a slow day when they're being quiet, or is there any other oh, kind of calling ab- techniques? Ab- absolutely. If you if you you know it's on up in the morning, you haven't had a you haven't had a heard a bird gobble, and you know those birds are there. A lot of times, you can hit that 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 gobble call, and it will it will get them birds fired up. In fact, I. Uh, a couple of years ago, I went with a buddy of mine to his place, and he said, "Man, we'll, we'll go over here and try." He said, "I hadn't heard a bird in a, in over a week," and uh, we got there and hit a couple of yelps, box call, you know nothing, and I pulled pulled out a gobble call and hit him with it, and man, it really it, it fired him up and got him going. 
and uh, and he's he said, man, I, I'm 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 being honest with you. I hadn't heard one in over a week over here. And he said, that's I never thought to gobble at him. I said, man, it you know, like I said, it really it can get them when nothing else will. So that's that's cool. That's cool to hear. I might try that. We might get a chance to hunt a little bit of private land this year. Uh, the last couple of years, it's been nothing but public. But if we do some private land this year, I'm I'm definitely going to give that a try. Yeah, so I remember seeing you posting a video on Facebook of you gobbling last year. I was like, gobbling at turkeys, huh? I didn't know. I didn't know people did that that much. But uh, what about other calls? Maybe like a, a kiki run or or other kind of different calls than your normal, you know, loud yelp sequence. Uh, do you do any kikiing or whines or anything like that? Oh yeah, I do. Um, the the kiki and and I'm I'm gonna tell you a lot of people overlook that call. It's mainly a call that hens do, you know, a lot in the fall to kind of get everybody together. You'll hear them all the time. In fact, I wish I'd have, I wish I'd have been close to these hens this year. I could hear them fine, but I couldn't get it recorded on my phone. But the the kiki run that they do, man, it's it, it's it's kind of gets everybody together and you do that in the spring and it just adds that just much more realistic to it that and telling that bird hey you know this is you know those are real those are real hens over there especially if it's a pressure bird he hears that and goes okay now i had been hearing that normally you know that that could be the real deal and kind of you know seal the deal to make him come on in so that and then i do a little it's called a it's kind of like a, a feeding call. Yeah, I call it a woo-woo call. You know, you yeah. just kind of go, woo-woo. Yeah, I know exactly like what that. you're talking about. Some people um, call it a whine. Some people call it a feed call. But it's kind of like, do it, do it. It's yeah, kind of like they, that, when, but like a whistle. When they start getting in, in close, that's that's what I do. Um, and and a lot of times I'll I'll, I'll do it right, right after I do a fly-down cackle. I'll start doing that kind of, you know, something like the hen. She's she's you know getting relaxed and you know getting her day started and that's the you know that's the main thing though you kind of want to you want to paint a picture for them to kind of you know see you know this is this is what that hen's over there doing so it's you know that's running through his head and a lot of times i think that's what they're thinking uh, mainly a bird is either i'm going to go up here on the hill and wait on her and she's going to come or you know finally i have to break and go to them but yeah, it's just every every turkey's different. Well, when you when you're doing these different setups, and I know we talked before we rec- we started a recording, and you said that you know you have multiple small parcels of land that you can go hunt on. How often or how much time do you normally put into a setup before moving on to a different setup? Uh, whether or not you have a hot bird, I'm, I'm guessing you know if as long as you have a hot bird, you'll be there. But you know how often are you rotating spots or just uh, moving on to different birds? Um, uh, a lot of times it really depends on, you know, the last time I'd heard a bird there. Um, and then, you know, some, sometimes I know I got to get early, especially during the week before work. I know I've got to, I've got to get on it. So I don't spend as much time, but if I can't get a bird struck by, you know, daylight cracking, I'm trying to move on to the next and get and get on a bird. Now, if I can get on a bird and start working him, you know, and a lot of times, sometimes I'll leave them. I'll leave some that are gobbling. 
that are just, you know, they, I, I can tell they're not coming. And if they, if they sound like they've moved towards me at all, I will sit there and stay. In fact, um, my daddy always told me, and I forgot uh, who he had heard it from. It was, it was a um, famous turkey hunter said, if, if you ever feel like you're ready to get up and leave, sit there another five minutes because you there's no telling how many times my daddy said that he had gotten up and you know walked five minutes through the woods and turkey gobbled right there where he was just at <laughs> so you kind of want to you kind of want to stay there but then again you know if, if it, you got some if you got to get going you'll go but and a lot of times later on in the morning you could go back to some of those places and hit those birds up when they don't have hens and that's when you can kill them. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, I was going to say also, yeah, what's your favorite time of day to get on birds like that? I mean, I understand everyone loves going out in the morning time, but when do you, what time of the day are you normally killing the most amount of birds after the 14 you saw hit the dirt last year? Oh, um, let's see. I think a majority of them, a majority of them are your, your quick 30 minutes. Off, off the roost hunt kind of real quick fact um one of the hunts where we doubled the turkeys when i hooted and they gobbled they were already 30 yards away from us i mean we pretty much hooted they gobbled we sat down um but we hunted uh we had three hunts last year well i say three hunts it was really two but um where we got there late it was like eight thirty, nine o'clock and uh got on them and they were just they're away from hens so they're a lot more they're a lot easier to deal with and they're still gobbling you know um in fact the the ones that we killed late last year gobbled probably you know 20 30 times before we killed them i mean it was just we caught them at the right moment in fact all three birds um i killed my buddy killed one first it was you know just one morning about 9 45 or so we killed one, and then right after that, I called up the two more, and I killed one. And then we went back the next Saturday to the same place, and, I mean, it was almost the same exact time. I called up that third one and killed him. Um, and, I, and, you know, just kind of being there where, they're, where they got away from their hens, and they're, they're ready to find another one. And, and that was one thing we did notice the first time, the first time we went over there and killed the two, we come out and there's a hen on a nest that we bumped on the way out. So we kind of knew, okay, they're going to their nest, you know, at this time. And I said, we need to come back. I said, I bet you they'll be doing the same thing. And sure enough, that's what happened. Hmm. Well, another thing with that being said, when you're hunting the way you do, I mean, are you a guy that uses decoys, you know, most of the time? Are there certain scenarios where you don't do use decoys? And also, what's your decoy spread look like? Um, decoys, if you're hunting a field, you really want to have those because a bird will come out in the field and look and not see anything and he may not, he may not come in or he may come into the field and have hens with him and not see the bird and, and leave. So if I'm hunting the field, I'm going to have, I'm going to have decoys in the hardwoods. Not so much. I want him to come looking for me because once I see him and I'm in the hardwoods, I don't I don't say anything else to him. I just let him come on. Now I do have because I've you know I've had him hang up in the hardwoods too. 
I've got a Flexstone Creeper that's got the fan, and if he acts like he's going to go away or he's not coming, I'll pick it up and, and kind of turn it and show it to him and, you know, just kind of seal the deal. And a lot of people are against decoys. They think it's cheating. They think it's unfair. But it's like Michael Waddell said, I'm not a turkey caller. I'm a turkey hunter. I'm there to use every little advantage that I have to kill that turkey. And, and I'm the same way. I love eating turkey breast. I'm not there just to sound good and call and, and, and you know, be a, be a, cause I'm far from winning any kind of calling contest. I'm there to eat turkeys. I'm there to kill them and, and, you know, enjoy it and let other people, you know, see the sport. So, but I've got an avian X hen that's a lookout hen. And then I've got a avian X strutter. I really, if I'm hunting a field, I'll take him. But most of the time I just take my creeper just cause it's so much to carry. And, uh, and usually I'll put that hen out there and sometimes I'll put my creeper decoy out there. But a lot of times, like I said, I keep it by me that way I can pick it up because she hangs up and that has seen, you know, to work out the best for me. And, uh, you know, sometimes if you are having to sneak up on the bird, since he's already out in the field and you're not there yet, you can use that decoy to kind of hide yourself and get in there and, 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 and bring him on in. Yeah. Well, yeah, I've, I've used decoys some last year. I kind of have found that uh, what you said, I, I totally agree with what you said uh, as far as using decoys in open areas versus the hardwoods because, you know, when I'm hunting in the hardwoods or just any thick woods in general, like pines, planted pines or whatever, I, I feel like I never need a decoy. It's kind of pointless because if I put it out, it'd be right on top of me, and I don't really want it right on top of me. But then, you know, if I'm hunting on a long gas line or something, I'd love to have a decoy out there so we can look way down that gas line and see it. But uh, moving on to another topic, uh, so I was wanting to ask you, what do you think is a is a real common mistake that new turkey hunters make? Uh, I could name one that I've made in the last few years because this is probably, I think this is my fourth year of seriously turkey hunting. Uh, one thing that I've really messed up on is just patience, where... I'll, I won't sit on a bird long enough or I won't wait on him to come in long enough or, or whatever. Uh, or sometimes I'll get too aggressive. Uh, w- what are some things that, that you would think that people mess up on early on? Um, early on, I definitely say the patience is the one thing. A lot of people don't, don't sit there and, you know, give the bird some time. I know there's a bunch of times... I can't tell you how many, how many times I've probably messed up when I was younger and I was trying to kind of branch off and do it when I was, when I was able to old enough to drive and I was wanting to go out and kill one and say, Hey, look at me, you know, I'm killing them on my own. I don't need my daddy. And, you know, was mainly, you know, get on the bird and he's hammering, hammering, hammering. And they, when they hit the ground, they'll shut up. A lot of people especially new hunters think oh well they're done and that you know that's it one of the biggest turkeys i ever killed i yelped at him five times he gobbled five times and i did a fly down cackle and he didn't he didn't say nothing and i kind of started thinking too okay you know he's he's gone this isn't happening and i kind of looked off to the right of the field and then i 
turned back and looked, and here he was coming up the hill. He just got he got silent because he was coming. People think they get silent, and you know it's over with. A lot of times they're coming, and, I, and it, after that happened, it really made me think. You know, how many birds did I mess up on by, you know, leaving after they quit gobbling, or you know, how many times I just you know gave up. So. It's, it's one of those things you kind of gotta you kind of gotta sit there and sometimes they'll they'll gobble for you and, and oh oh he's close you know 30 yards but a lot of times they may not ever even say anything so yeah i was gonna say I and mean, that's probably one of my issues too is just having the patience that once those birds do you know show up and they don't they're not making any noise not gobbling or anything it, it's really hard to focus and be like hey you know i'm gonna sit here for another you know, 45 minutes or whatever long, you know, you think you ought to sit there and be patient enough to do that and not be moving and doing this kind of that and looking at your phone and, you know, all that and staying focused. I mean, staying focused to me is probably one of the biggest keys for turkey hunting along with calling in general because if you're not staying focused, you're never going to be able to kill a bird because you're not going to be aware of your surroundings and everything going on. Yeah, man, that that happened to me last year. I think, I know it happened once. It might have happened twice where... I'd been calling, working on a bird all morning long, and then I, I would get right into where I would think he was, and I would sit for like 45 minutes on him, and then I'd stand up, and I'd take, I'd walk 20 yards, and he was like right over the little rise where I couldn't see him. He'd, he'd be like 60 yards away, and I would just pop over the hill, and I'd see him flying off, and that I think that happened twice last year, but that's been something that I've struggled with that... Hopefully I'll get it fixed this year and actually start killing a bunch more birds. <laughs> like, like I said, if you if you ever feel like you're ready to leave, you're ready to get up, sit there another five minutes. Always try that, or you know, just just make yourself stay because you know there's a bird in the area. And it, you know, I mean, you could like you say, you can get up and stand up and spook him off, and then what are you going to do? Go to another area and not hear anything? At least you know, at least you got that bird there, and there's there's something you can do because and, and another thing like I said being on your phone and everything I don't I don't ever get on my phone if, if when I'm turkey hunting when I'm deer hunting I do you just you know you can't help it but <laughs> turkey hunting they're, they're not like a deer they can be the loudest animal coming through the woods and they can also be the quietest because I mean there's just there's something about them they're, they're smart animals absolutely man I couldn't agree more yeah and another thing kind of little overview of our last season so me and Andrew hunted a good bit last year um together and opening morning uh we thought we had roosted a bird and turns out either he just was quiet that morning again it was you know freezing we slept in our trucks to make sure we had our spot in the morning for oh, public land man, that was a that was a fiasco yeah so we go out uh, I'd, I'd gotten off work late that night and met him out there and we pulled our trucks over you know on the or on the road on the public land and you know, we're trying to get our spot all situated where we had seen a bird a couple of days pr- uh, previously and recorded him on film and everything. And good bird with a couple of hens, and we pretty much found out where he was roosting. Well, we wake up in the morning again. It was frosty. It was cold. I was wearing all my hunting gear or all my deer hunting gear. It's freezing, and get in there and no birds talked nothing. It was it was a miserable day. And then the afternoon we hunted uh, go to a different part of the uh, management area, and I mean just got off the side of the road. And, you know, there's a bunch of guys out opening day and got on the side of the road. I can't remember if I owl called or hooted or what. No, what we did, we sat down and we started calling down into this big valley, Uh just kind of bouncing calls off each other. 
and then you you like did this real loud cut and run and he gobbled like 40 yards away and he walked in front of me and i thought he was farther than he was and i just kind of missed my opportunity mm-hmm. but that turkey you were talking about that morning i i got off work at 1 30 go straight out there and slept in the truck so to get this spot because we had seen this bird and we knew where he was strutting and everything we sit there until probably 10 o'clock he doesn't show up uh no gobbles or anything so we go looking back in the pines just kind of see what's back there we come back to the field at about eleven fifteen, and there he was standing in the field and uh like jacob said five other guys had rolled up in there uh, when we were trying to get to our spot that morning so sure enough man that turkey just wanted to die and we came back two days later and there's feathers all over the field so i'm sure it was him somebody killed him but that's a heart that's a heartbreak unless you're the ones that that left those feathers there <laughs> that's right that's right yeah for sure and another scenario we had last year was uh, me and andrew got on some extremely hot birds one morning and i was set up in a um, mature slick cut pine uh thicket and uh had confirmed what was it eight birds goblin yeah, eight eight different birds um all spread out we had a couple right there in front of us down the draw and uh you know Right after, you know, gray light, we kind of repositioned ourselves a little bit closer and got in. And uh, me and Andrew were kind of separated by a little bit, probably about 15 yards or so in two different trees. And we had, I had the biggest, ugliest, nasty tom I've ever seen come up the draw right towards me at about 35 yards. And instead of <laughs> blowing his head off, I'd look at Andrew to like, I don't know. I don't know why I did that. I just looked at Andrew and was like trying to like, hey, there's Big a bird. Mistake. And I turned back around, that bird's going back down the draw. I guess he's caught my movement. And not 15 minutes later, uh, we get a, two gobblers, came up to my right about 50 yards out. And it uh, turns out there was three birds right there just strutting back and forth. And I took a shot at one and did not get didn't get a good hit on him. And uh, he was able to get away. But, man, it was absolutely crazy that morning. It was kind of like what you said where I'm, I'll say I'm pretty new to turkey hunting. I've only been turkey hunting for probably about three years or so. I've gone a couple more times back in the day, but never real seriously. Uh, seriously. Just a couple times with my uncle. And, um still have yet to kill my first bird and one thing i've noticed especially hunting with andrew who's a lot more experienced than i am is those birds how quiet they do get when they hit the ground for the most part you know they were gobbling their head off i mean andrew lost count after like 100 gobbles that morning it was unreal yeah and they hit the ground and they just shut up and it was just unreal for a guy that you know still hasn't been able to harvest his first bird that they were making so much freaking noise they hit the ground they shut up and they come in quiet and you just gotta be ready for them yeah, man, they gobbled one time on the ground. Mm-hmm. They gobbled one time. They gobbled probably 120 times in the tree. And then they gobbled once when they hit the ground. They'll, they'll do that, but you'll... And a lot of times you'll know once once they hit the ground, a lot of times you'll know whether or not you're going to kill them within probably, I'd say, 15 minutes of being on the ground. A lot of times you can, you can tell they're coming your way or, you know, and then again, there's... There's so much that, that can happen. I mean, it's a, it's a chess game as as far as, you know, you make this move, he's going to do this, or he does that and you do this, and that's why, that's why I love it. Well, another thing uh, that's kind of popped in my head about just birds on the roost in, in general, if you're going out, say you were hunting a piece of property, uh, let's give you a different idea. Say you're hunting a new piece of property, or say like you're going to try this year and hunt some public land, and you get out there and you know, I'll hoot whatever, get a bird to gobble, uh, you know, right at first light, gray light. And what is your scenario? Say you're hunting, you know, some thicker timber. How close are you trying to get to his roost 
uh, before he does shut up. At least, I try to get in at least 70 yards. Okay, okay. Sometimes, sometimes closer than that. Like yeah. I said, we've, last year, and it was kind of, just kind of the weather that helped us. It was kind of rainy and, and windy. Uh, we got in there, and like I said, those birds got when they were 30 yards away, but a lot of times I like to be within about 70 yards up from him. That way, when he pitches down, I can hear him and or see him. Because mm-hmm. the closer you can get, and a lot of people get scared, nervous, and everything, but you can get away with a lot if you just pay attention. Um, but you can really get in there, and, and I feel I feel that really can, can help you out the most is getting in there close and making him decide, okay, well, I'm going to pitch down this way since they're already – you know that way mm-hmm. but I've even had them close enough where I sat there and videotaped them on my phone um, calling for other guys and video you know just close enough I can videotape and got them strutting in the tree and they fly down and go away from us and <laughs> shut up so I mean that's just I don't know they're they're weird animals you know I mean they could lose those birds literally could have flew down and you know, been to our decoy within, you know, seconds, but they just, they went the other way. Yeah, man, that, that's heartbreaking. We, that happens to us quite a bit on, on the public land we hunt. Those, those birds out there, they're getting yelped at by guys probably, I mean, no joke, probably four days a week during season, especially in the first two weeks of season. Uh, there's usually somebody out there trying to call them in. Uh, there's a lot of birds back there, but man, it's just, it's hard dealing with all those other people. But uh, one one last question that I really want to ask you is, you know, what do you think has been the, the turning point in your turkey hunting career? Like, what is something that you changed at some point that really took your turkey hunting to the next level? Um, it's actually, it actually a couple of things. Um, the... The number one thing was being able to kind of read and, you know, listen to the turkey and kind of, you, I mean, really, I can't, I can't explain it. One day it'll click and you'll know just kind of being able to, you know, read and understand what that turkey's going to do. Um, and another thing was switching up the calls I had. I'd always went and bought the calls that you see on on tv and that you see at the you know at the at walmart and stuff like that and i started going to you know folks like houndstooth guys that make hand make their calls so it's made the same exact way every time instead of versus a machine that's doing it kind of has hiccups and somebody that's you know sitting there that that does it repeatedly every day and it's just you get more realistic and you can sound better and then if you'll sit there and youtube hen videos or go out and listen to hens and mimic them if i'm ever around hens if i can ever you know get a hen fired up i can mimic her to a t just you know sit there and listen to her it's hard you know doing it off and not have anything to go off on but you really just listen to them and try to sound ex- you know exactly like them and that and then going back to scouting the scouting is a huge part of it in fact if i if i had to say 
woodsmanship scouting is probably 80% of turkey hunting. The rest of it is calling and knowing what to say and when to say it, but also being able to know how to get around on turkeys because moving around on them, I mean, you can literally get in front of them. You you really sometimes, if, if they're that fired up, you don't even really have to call to them that much. You can get around in front of them just listening to them and being quiet while you walk and, you know, just being sneaky. And you can get around and they'll walk right to you. But, you know, then again, sometimes you've got to convince them to do it. I mean, it's just every bird's different. And like I said, if you put your time in and go in there and scout, know your terrain, and, and you know, just don't don't ever give up. Keep, have patience, and, and go at it hard, and that's that's the main thing. That's that's where I started. That's where I started killing turkeys. Yeah, man, that's and, some and I, great advice. For the longest time, I could not understand why I didn't kill more turkeys than my daddy because I sounded ten times better than him. <laughs> but he do he, he had woodsmanship. He knew what he was doing. So yeah, you know, uh, I've never heard of a wild hen turkey in the woods that would win a calling championship. To be honest, oh, they won't. They won't. That's <laughs> the thing. You and, and and you won't ever you won't ever see me win a turkey calling contest. But you'll see dead turkeys on my Facebook, <laughs> and that's all that matters. Th- that is that's all that only, matters. The only judge I care I care about is is the goblin in the woods. Mm, if I that's right. Him, I think I've done pretty good. Yeah, I think I won that calling contest. That's some good advice right there, man. And I'll, I'll I'll say this for any listeners out there who are wanting a, a good resource on uh, practicing the call of like a wild hen turkey, uh, check out Treetop Turkeys. It's on iTunes and. Whatever, wherever else you can get music, I guess, but it's basically just recordings of uh, flocks of wild turkeys, and you can play that when you're driving around in the car and call to it and try and mimic what they're doing. That's That helped me a lot last year, and this year, too, I started practicing again back in December, so I've been playing treetop turkeys in the truck a lot, but that's a pretty good resource for anybody out there wanting to try and get better. Oh, yeah, and, and, I, and I'll definitely like you're saying listen to that take your call because know your wife if they're if, or a girlfriend or parents whoever i know they can't stand for you to do it in the house but when you're <laughs> when you're driving down the road going to work or you know whenever you can get you'll know, get off to yourself practice that call do it listen you know heck take your phone and record yourself and listen to it afterwards and that that'll help you that will help you get better so. With, with that being said, I totally agree with you, uh, Cy. And, I mean, you've dropped a lot of knowledge on us, uh, especially for me, you know, not being as experienced of a turkey hunter. Uh, I've learned a lot just from listening to you. And again, how to focus and be, have more patience. And, you know, really, I think you really did kick off uh, our, you know, episodes for turkey hunting, you know, to T. So, again, we appreciate you coming on here, man, and look forward to, you know, keeping up with you throughout the season. Maybe we can do another episode, you know, sometime throughout the season and see how you're doing. And maybe, man, maybe just team up and do a little pup playing hunting, man, and uh, come on and talk about the episode at a later date. Yeah, man, I can I can show you where some birds are if you can show me how to kill them. <laughs> oh, yeah, hey, you put, you put me in there, and I will, I will show you how to, uh, I'll show you how to bring them in. And uh, also, like I said, I, won't, I do want to mention – like I said, while I was talking earlier, Houndstooth Game Calls. If y'all will please go check those guys out. 
Lyle makes some killer calls. And like I said, it just it seemed like that switching from you know your 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 store bought calls to you know somebody that's making them handmade, it makes a world of difference. And like I said, do go ahead and scout. And turkey season starts now, knowing where they are and, and and knowing what you can you know how you can move on them. I mean, you could even go in now and and kind of you know set you up some some uh, blinds. I mean, you know, set you up, make you some handmade blinds. I've done it a thousand times, and it can really that can that can help you out a lot. That's awesome, man. Uh, yeah, about houndstooth. Uh, a while back, me and you were talking about their calls, and you told me to try out the. I think it was the vixen mouth call. Oh, yeah. That thing is sweet. I got one of those, and I've been running it for probably two or three weeks now. That's a heck of a call. I will. I will tell you this one. One last thing, and I'll let y'all have it. The vixen. I took a boy named Joseph Andrews. Me and him went, and uh, he got on a he got on a bird, or I called I called him up a bird, and I think we made it five minutes up the road, and he had already done ordered two of them. <laughs> and he kept one and then gave it to his buddy, um, Cade. Cade had never, uh, he'd never killed a turkey in his life. Cade took it and ended up calling up his own first longbeard ever with it. So, I mean, it's some, there, it, it can't just be me and it can't just be them. Mm-hmm. There's some killer calls. So, Absolutely. Uh, I've, I've branched off to the, to a couple of the, the other ones like the DC combo and the Tombaugh black. I mean, they've, man, they've, they've got some good ones, but that Vixen, I watched over 20 of them die with that Vixen, so. I hear that, man. That's a substantial number of turkeys. <laughs> well, oh, no, yeah. well, no thing, you so, know, or a lot of our listeners have definitely seen your passion for turkey hunting, and that's another thing that, to get a lot of guys fired up, because, you know, a lot of guys are transitioning now from deer hunting to, you know, focus on turkeys and maybe a little bit of predator hunting, but mostly just turkeys right now. So, I mean, again, guys, if y'all aren't getting fired up just by, you know, our first podcast about this turkey hunting this year, I mean, y'all need to be because our next couple episodes are going to be awesome. And again, side dude, we do appreciate you coming on, man. We need to keep in contact with you and uh, do another episode at a later date, my man. Hey, no problem at all. Hopefully I'll have some uh, dead turkey stories to tell you. (laughs) At least I hope that's how it's going to go. I hear that, man. All right. Thanks, Si. Hey, no problem. You too. Hey everybody, this is Kyle V, host of the Ozark Podcast, a show where we sit down with outdoorsmen of the Ozark Mountains region to talk all things hunting and fishing. Just like the outdoorsmen who live here, we follow the seasons and interview regional experts on everything from bear hunting, to fishing for smallmouth and trout, and discussing big questions like what happened to all the quail in the southeast. If you're enjoying this show, then I know you'll enjoy the Ozark Podcast. You can listen to the show on all podcasting platforms and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.